I think you'll appreciate this. I hope you appreciate it because I was I was going for those different moods and and what I felt like my third slot should be. <laughs> it's um it's future sex love sound Justin Timberlake. Oh my god, really? <laughs> From out of left field. From out of left field, take me back. What we do here is go back 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 back. And we are back. We are back. After a small amount of technical difficulties, would you say? I, 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 would, definitely, I would definitely say that. I, I don't quite know what was going on on my end of things, but I'm back. It's here. It's happening. We're, we're recording. We're here. We're all good. How are you going, man? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's a, it's a, it's a rainy, rainy day up here in Auckland. Um, and my partner, Rachel, has actually, uh, she's here visiting from Tauranga. Lovely. She's, yeah, she's going to be here for a week, so it's really nice. Um, so she is currently just away, giving me some space to record right now. Uh, so thank you very much. Cheers. Um, big shout out to Rachel. Big, big shout out to Rachel. Um, but yeah, no, nah, good. How's it on your end? Oh, you know, it's starting to get dark. It's a little bit, a little bit depressing in terms of in terms of weather. But other than that, good man. Happy that it's Friday. Happy to be back. Um, and we should say how how stoked are we with with the reception we've had over the last what has it been like three four days since three, four we days. since we went live. Yeah, um, yeah been, I mean, it's been tremendous. I mean. You know, the fact that we wanted to just get this going and stuff and, you know, friends and family and, you know, I think the the thing that really blew me away is that you've been internationally, you've been both to the US and to the UK. And so being able to see where listeners are popping up around the world is crazy. We've, we've had three downloads in Japan of all places as well. Yeah, it's so funny, eh? I, I, if, I, if you're listening from Japan, hello. Um, but yeah, this is so many people, uh, like I said, I know there's people in Denmark and France and Sweden as well listening around. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's crazy. Great. It's so I'm cool. having a look at the stats now. So four, four continents, North America, mm-hmm. Europe, Asia, and Oceania, mm-hmm. um, 10 countries, New Zealand, UK, US, Australia, Japan, Germany, Sweden, Denmark, France, Ireland, and 34 cities. I'm just going to rattle through them, bro. Why not? Auckland, Porirua. Tauranga, Blackheath in England, Wellington, Christchurch, Hamilton, Waitakere, Clayton, Missouri. Ooh. Shout out. Shout Upper out. Heart, Philly, Pennsylvania, Portland, Oregon, Berlin, Anaheim, and Cali. Uh, oh, God. I didn't realize I was signing up. Uruyasu, Tokyo. <laughs> uh, Landskrona, Skane. Is that Sweden? Let's I, move on. Yeah, I, I so. probably is. Islington in England, Sydney, Lower Heart, LA. Uh, Châtillon, Ilde in France, Brunswick, Victoria, uh, Musashino, Tokyo, Darlington, England, Bristol, England, Newbury, England, Fredericksburg, Capital Region, don't know where that is, Maidenhead, England, Edinburgh, Scotland, Sligo, uh, in Ireland, Haringey, England, East Palo Alto, California, Melbourne, Victoria, Adelaide, South Australia. I did not think that would take that long, but man, you gotta hey, shout them out. You gotta shout them out because thank you. Thank you, everyone. I think we're sitting at like 137 downloads so far, which yep. uh, is way more than Matt and I ever expected. Um, so yeah, we just we had to open today. 
uh, episode two of the Bros and Brews podcast. Bro, we didn't even say the name at the start of it. We're slacking. We're sliding. What well, are we doing? I, I, everyone, I mean, oh, well, the people that are listening know now that we are the Bros and Brews podcast. Um, but yeah, if you're tuning in for the first time on episode two, we are the Bros and Brews podcast. Bros and Brews podcast. And we should say that name has come come a long way since it's come the a long vague way. suggestion i made last episode mm-hmm. um yeah i think the or- the origins are there of of the original idea but yeah we've settled we're very happy bros and brews podcast um great to be here on on what is another friday we've decided another we're going to record these friday evenings mm-hmm. don't know when we're going to post them that's that's up for debate um but yeah shall shall we move on to the question i want to ask you matt I'm intrigued. Let's do it. Let's get this going. The question I want to ask you now, before we came on to record, all I said to Matt was, I've got a question to ask you to open up the pod. He's got bloody no idea what it is. It could be anything. Um, It might, it's probably going to be really underwhelming. I've got no idea what you think it is. My question to you, Matt, on this Friday evening is, what's your favorite, what's your favorite chip flavor? Crisp chip Depending on when you are in the world, I don't know why this came to me. I think I was falling asleep one night and I thought, you know what's a bloody good topic? Just for a little, hey, how's it going? Yeah. What What's your favorite chip chip flavor? Talk to me. My, now, yeah, I, I always get in, not in trouble, but like at parties and selecting things and stuff like that. Um, you know, everyone's always a fan of salt and vinegar um, mm-hmm. and things like that. But, but my, mine is the sour cream and chives. Sour cream and chives. Sour cream and chives. Now, <laughs> I, I, I like sour cream and chives because I know a lot of people don't necessarily like sour cream and chives. Um, and I don't know why. I mean, green onion is a very close uh, to sour cream and chives, but that's, that's how my Pringles, any any kind of chips, that's my go-to. Well, see, see, this is the thing. And in, in posing this all-important question to you, <laughs> I sort of, I thought, you know what, I'll write down what I think are the key categories of chip of chip flavors. Mm-hmm. I think there's salt and vinegar, obviously. Yep. Salt slash original clearly goes across most chip brands. Mm-hmm. Then you get into the, what you've been describing, sort of the sour cream and chive, sour cream and onion. Yeah. Dare I say, like ranch in America is a big one. Although Ooh. that that sort of category. Then you've got like the barbecue category. Yeah, the works. You've got sort of, chicken flavors dare mm-hmm. i say lots of variations on chicken and then i think this is part of part of this random <laughs> series of thoughts i was having why is thai sweet chili its own like all-encompassing chip genre when did that happen when did thai sweet chili which really a very very specific flavor profile <laughs> when did this like become this whole big big thing uh, 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 I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess what well, we've we've tried to get more inventive with our flavors, right? I mean, like I think I've got a uh, and parmesan and uh, rosemary oil sitting on the bench right now. Oh, very hello. It's oh, it's very good. Uh, I don't know the brand. Well, you'd hope so with that kind of that kind of money spent on on describing exactly. the flavor. Well, that's just it. It's a bit of a bougie because you got your bougie crisps, you know. You got your your bluebird and and your and stuff like that Pringles, but then you have those bougie packets, and this is definitely a bougie uh, packet of crisps. Um, but yeah, no, I think we just want to we want to try it out. We want to try something new. Get it in our palate. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm so surprised that when I was writing these down, it's like, 
wow, Thai sweet chili really is like a staple behind original mm. salt vinegar, that mm. whole sour cream chives area, that whole barbecue area, and then kind of the chicken area. Obviously, depending on where you are in the world, there's lots of staples like prawn cocktail is massive in uh-huh. the UK. Um, for our people listening in New Zealand, I don't know how you describe prawn cocktail. Pra- prawn- Prawn cocktails. Prawn cocktails. It's sort of, it's it's just very sweet. Very like, I I don't know how to describe it, but that's a staple in the UK. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I was so in- interested in your opinion. I guess because it's just one of those conversations there. You know, everyone has a favorite. Mm-hmm. And you and I have never, you and I have never, I don't believe ever had this discussion. No. I think what I realized yesterday was I'm just over salt, man plain original uh, salt yeah what a boring what a boring flavor no, i agree i think i'm ready to, to check out on a retire salt slash original <laughs> to kind of the the proverbial uh back of the pantry i think i'd rather have anything else other than a other than a plane yeah no but that's what i was saying is that i think we want to we really want to give our taste buds a ride so we're just doing different flavors different stuff but you're so right i i I, salt and vinegar has never been my good i mean i'll eat a packet of salt and vinegar chips if they're there but i will never actively go and buy them from the supermarket wow really because i feel like salt and vinegar people are the most passionable chip consumers Mm -hmm. passionable god it's a fry passionate (laughs) chip consumers and people i think people either love salt and vinegar or they hate salt and vinegar yeah Maybe, you know, people might have the same opinions on sort of the sour cream, onion, chive. Oh, anyway. yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, pe- people have have strong opinions on salt and vinegar. And that's, I think, where I was interested to see whether you slotted into that or, or not. But you're kind of operating in a, in I'm a in sour a, cream. We're about yep. salt and vinegar. Yep. Yep. I agree. That's exactly where I'm at. Okay. I just like to, t- to touch touch base on, on these important things, man. No, but hey, I, I, it, it's important. It's important to know what your friends are eating. I mean, you're absolutely, you're so right. For the record, uh, I think I'm moving into a salt and vinegar firm number one stage in my life. But I'm with you, man. Sour cream and yep. chives, mm-hmm. on, you know, ranch, onion, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, I, I think I think I hadn't had those for a while and, and they're quietly operating at a number two basis. Nice. Anyway, enough chip talking. Enough People chips. have definitely tuned out. They've gone on, they've talked about chips for 10 minutes. We thought there was some chance to listen to some cultural or philosophical discussion. Absolutely not. We've completely <laughs> befuddled you. All we want to talk about is food. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, man. I just wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you about that. We've cleared it up. We've, we've, we've covered the bases. It's Everyone done. knows what yep. your opinion is. Mm-hmm. We can, we can, we can cap it off there. Um, more importantly, man. As we discussed sort of yesterday, one thing I wanted to talk about um, in this episode was was something we kind of touched on last week, like very, very br- briefly. I can't remember what we were talking about, but I mentioned the the fact that as, as actors, people constantly ask us, um, you know, whether we prefer acting on for screen or for mm-hmm. theater. I remember last week you said that, you know, you've been becoming more accustomed to screen. I think as you said, like when I've been in the States or the UK, I think people are quite surprised when I tell them that, you know, a lot of people that, that are actors that, that come out of New Zealand or, or, you know, grow up in New Zealand, develop a love for acting. They're kind of surprised when I tell, tell people that aren't from New Zealand, how sort of little screen experience most people have here. And I say yeah. to them, it's just because, 
you know the the screen industry obviously isn't that big in in this country from an acting perspective and like when you go through school and and university obviously like you can teach theater to a group of 20 25 30 people just get them to play some bloody theater games and, and you're right whereas screens uh, the nature of screen is it's, it's a lot harder to teach mm. um but i think having answered that question a lot people are generally surprised when i tell them how little screen experience i've i've had and i think you and i are kind of similar mm. in that we have had far more theater experience and we're far more used to the stage and the concept of acting for screen is something that only probably within the the last year for myself i imagine something similar for you that's kind of been the period of time where we're starting to get more and more comfortable with it um but yeah i've been thinking about that about that this week and and like the differences between between screen and theater and um one of the great things about about lockdown even though we're kind of not in lockdown anymore is i I found way more time to do do some reading and i'm reading this book called uh and then you act making art in a predictable unpredictable world by an amazing um methodologist called anne bogart who's sort of a a theater director um and she wrote this book kind of in in the aftermath of 9-11 and and writing about sort of the role of art within a kind of a post-crisis world which is obviously something that we're we're dealing with at the moment which is i think probably why i'm enjoying the book so much because you can take a lot of what she's saying about about creating theater and art and in the united states sort of in 2001 2002 2003 after the events of 9-11 and i kind of i feel like there's very clear um distinctions to, to make with what we're going through at the moment anyway i was reading this chapter where she's talking about the seven sort of things that make uh theater great and one of the seven that she talks about is this idea of of ritual and she kind of talks a bit about how ritualistic going to the theater is kind of comparing it to, to church, um, mm. as a, as a meeting place where people go for community yeah. and to spend time with each other, you know, obviously strangers in an audience interacting with each other is kind of part of what makes ritual, uh, key. And yeah, so she, the little excerpt, which is like heading to church, the action of going to theater, is itself part of the attraction. I thought that that was really interesting. The idea that it's when you go to theater, part of what makes it is, is the people that are in the audience that you don't know, like that kind of one night only type event. And that made me, my brain go off down on this massive spiral about, about theater and how it's different to, to consuming TV and, and film. And strangely, my brain went off into the world of, of music, which is why I know, you know, something that we're both equally passionate about um, to, in comparison to, to acting. I thought, oh, I can finally see one of the, one of the ways to kind of explain how theater and screen differ to, to people that aren't involved in sort of the acting industry. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think sometimes, you know, people, you know, when people ask us that question, you know, do you like acting for screen? Do you like acting for theater? it can kind of be like oh i like both or it can be quite hard quite hard to to explain but yeah i was thinking about how music is a good way to break down the differences and i was thinking that when we listen to music at home like on spotify or you know if you're in the gym or you're listening to music while you're doing work or whatever mm-hmm. it's a very screen like experience not in the sense of of looking at a screen but like the way that we consume tv and film yeah and that it's 
a really private experience. Private. Yeah. You, you sort of, you choose your environment. There's, there's like viewer control and that you can, uh, because it's just you, you know, you can pause the music at any point. You can change the music at any point with a, you know, a TV show or a film. You can always, you know, pause if you need to go get some food some sour cream and chive chips dare i say (laughs) but yeah it's very it's a very private consumption experience Mm. and i think as an actor film and tv what i've kind of picked up in the last year is that it's not really about you which i think Mm. can be quite strange to you know to to say to people that that don't have any you know or don't have much understanding of of the industry but being in tv and film is like the actors are only like two percent of the thing you know there's there's directors the producers the editors all the people that are in are in the you know like the scenic departments all the people operating on the day as an actor your role is a lot smaller in screen and i think that whole private experience is completely opposed to say uh theater which i realized the kind of the closest thing to theater within the music industry is like concerts and festivals yeah that exactly. whole sense of yeah. of of community and crowd and and like it's all about the day before the festival and mm. the day of the festival and the mm. morning and like what what everyone's um the costumes that people are putting on it's not just about when you're inside the gates of that festival or that concert it's the whole vibe that builds up to it and i think theater is very much the same like for the audience it's all about the getting to the theater getting the drink beforehand everyone yep. going into the to the theater space sitting in the seats like concerts and festivals um that's what theater operates it's like all that community sense the stuff that happens before and after the actual performance and yeah. this kind of this thinking about it and thinking about how much people love going to concerts concerts and festivals and stuff i was kind of just wondering like why doesn't that necessarily translate to theater and theater in yeah. the same in the same way that I would say most people like going to concerts, maybe festivals, mm. not so much, but this idea of like community consumption of art that definitely translates to, to the concert going experience. Yeah. That is basically the exact same like ritualistic element that comes into going to the theater. And yet if you were to like compare the number of people that go to concerts and the number of people that go to theater shows, there's a massive imbalance there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I guess I, I get. I mean, the first thing that jumps into my head because I've I've probably seen obviously more theatre shows than I've been to concerts. Like I've yeah. been to a few concerts and things like that, like Laneway, you know, big kind of you know big event stuff. Not many. Just I'm going to this artist to go and go and watch their concert kind of thing. But I mean, there's two things that play for me like that. It's like the similarities between the both. It's like it's 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 risk and reward, right? You know, yeah. when you watch something like TV or film, it's polished. You're getting exactly what they want you to get. Um, and mm. then how you interpret it is how you interpret that. But when you go to the theater or, or you go to a concert or something like that, you're risking going to a live performance and whether it's going to be rewarding or not in that kind mm. of, in that kind of sense, you know, like technical difficulties or, um, someone, uh, you know, uh, someone flubs on stage and it's, it's not quite right. It's that risk and reward as an audience member, you go and see this. Um, but, and the other thing I was going to say is the big difference is it's that atmosphere, right? You, you yeah. go to a, you go to a concert and 
like you said, you're, you, you, you're getting your drinks, you're preloading, you're going with a massive group of friends, everyone is rowdy, just as rowdy as you, you know, like there's that kind of sense about it. And I think when you think of New Zealand and the drinking culture and, and things that we have here, and I mean around the rest of the world as well, people love to drink and go and see concerts and it's that whole mm. atmosphere of being outside and amongst it or whether you're in like the victor arena or something like that it's massive whereas you compare that to something like a theater and it's like small it's intimate everyone's quiet unless it's like you know you're funny laughing crying and things like that mm. but there's there's a lot more intimacy to the theater and i think that's where you have that big difference it's like whether you like watching something that's maybe a little bit more intimate or do you like watching something for just the full ringing in the ears and everyone jumping and sweating around you um yeah i mean that that that's how i at least see the difference and similarities of the both yeah that's really interesting how you bring up sort of the the size element of i guess i hadn't really really considered that obviously you can go to like small gigs from the yes music true, side true. just yeah, as you can go or something. to yeah. you can go to like massive opera houses that you know yeah seat more people than say your your fringe um level mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. you know th- theater but yeah i think i think you raise you raise a good good point and what you say about going to festivals and concerts is is exactly right like it is all about that that community feel of the audience going to it i think the flip side of that for us as performers and kind of bringing it back around to that question of of that people pose to actors like do yeah. you like screen acting or do yeah. you like theater acting yeah i think you would probably agree with me that the reason that we love theater so much is there is that element of risk for the performer exactly right? from, from exactly. our perspective yeah we you know you can know the show back to front but you don't know who's going to be in the audience that mm-hmm. night there may be no one in the audience <laughs> that night there may be a critic in the audience that night there may yeah. be all your friends in the audience that mm. night and that whole sort of ritualistic element of preparing is the same for the actors like the morning of the the hours before you go on stage mm. all that prep time is completely different to the screen industry where it's like get in get out film it in yeah. kind of a yeah a, a perverse like comparison to listening to music on spotify in your room yeah. it's yeah. like skip play pause move 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 through it however you want mm-hmm. um but yeah for us as actors within i think like i said why we love theater so much is there is that sense of of live of liveness and and everything that goes into like before the audience and and after the audience i mean i'm you, i'm sure you agree with me on that oh no i i so do i mean i was gonna say i've i've done a few um screen stuff uh with friends and like i was saying last time i just finished a project before i came up here and i love it because it's a completely different experience but like i always feel like i'm cheating you know doing theater and studying theater and and doing all of that when i'm in front of a camera and i flub it's like okay do it again okay do it again all right, try no it this one way. Will ever All right, know. try it this way. Exactly. And so the audience is getting the exact right thing that the director um, or, you know, producers, whatever, are trying to get across. Whereas with theater, you have a director who directs you in the rehearsal room and tries to get you to a good place. But when you get on stage, 
that director's not there anymore and you're all on your own, you're with your other actors and you've got an audience in front of you and it's it's it, it's alive and that's what I love about it. It's alive for an audience but it's alive for us as well because just being able to feed off the energy of someone else for me in that moment, all knowing that all my prep work and my lines and, and movement across the stage, all of the elements are coming together and when it does at the end of a show, it could have even gone so bad or it's for me, it's the best feeling in the world when you finish a show. Yeah. And I imagine for musicians, it must be weird. Like now that we've moved into like a period of time where basically artists like within the music industry make almost all of their money from, from touring. Yeah. It must be a completely different experience to, like, it must be so weird for a, a musician to write an album, produce it, record it, and then just put it out into, it out. into the world. And mm. You kind of never experience other people listening to what you're creating yeah. in the same way as the, I think from what I gather, most actors that act for screen don't like watching their own performances. Like you're not going to, you know, I don't know, Daniel Day-Lewis or whatever I presume isn't going to random cinemas all over the world to experience watching his own like, yeah, yeah. stuff with other that's, people. That's so um, true. But what you said about, the the reciprocity of of the audience watching the actors and but also the actors watching the audience i wanted to read you a, se- a sentence from from uh, Anne bogart's book that i thought like blew my mind she says not only is the theater about an audience seeing it's also where an audience witnesses an actor seeing mm. so she's talking about the fact that like for the audience they're not just watching the actors or the people, you know, at the concert or the gig aren't just watching the musicians. They're actually experiencing the person on stage watching them. them and I think yeah. that whole circle of risk reward and liveness yeah. is exactly, is what makes yeah. concerts and, and gigs so similar to, to theater. Um, yeah, I just spent like half, uh, half an afternoon thinking about all that, man. I thought it was no, just really interesting to yeah. use music and the the kind of the different ways that we consume music both like privately and um communally as mm. sort of a comparison to to acting it'll be interesting the next time it'll probably never happen now <laughs> the next time someone asks the the whole screen versus theater question whether i can somehow get that out that like 20 minutes into like, <laughs> like 10 second response yeah 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 um, no i think that's no i i think that's a, a a brilliant point i mean I, I know from past theater experiences you know you'd maybe finish the first half or you go backstage after just doing a scene and you say to the other actors oh, okay the audience is the audience is like this or they're receiving mm. it like this kind of thing and you do you get to feel out the audience and, and you're so right I, I i guess it would be the same at the gigs i mean obviously uh, concerts and things have set playlists but it'd be interesting to know whether they're on the fly or do they change around songs depending on how the the audience is coming to it or if it's just kind of straight you know i guess in a theater show you can't be like oh yeah let's do act three before we do act one because that one's really (laughs) gonna hit um let's start from the end it's the best (laughs) part (laughs) um but yeah no yeah i i love being able to read an audience and i think for me you know i love my comedy um the most when i when i'm performing it and you know being able the with obviously sticking to the director's notes and everything and what they want (laughs) but being able to kind of yeah interpret an audience what they're feeling just kind of give them a little bit more of what they might want or a little bit less of what they 
don't want in regards but yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a seesaw you know it's i I, and that's the brilliant thing i I love about like you were saying going to theater or going to a concert yeah um and, and that's kind of what what led me to ask you uh yesterday to sort of prep a response to i i just asked matt can you let me know think about this for tomorrow two different questions the first question being and this is kind of quite popular at the moment because of the whole bill bill clinton bill clinton meme although i think that was specifically sing no no sorry that was albums anyway the question for matt was if you can take three albums with you to a you know a deserted island or if you could only ever listen to three albums for the rest of your life what would they be and then the second question to him was if you could sort of organize three gigs with any artists or any band um to go and see who would they be just because i was curious to see if a you had any crossovers if there Mm -hmm. are people that exist in both spheres from like the whole albums being the private experience versus kind of the gigs being the more communal experience and just because generally i was interested in in your music taste i don't think i i saw if you did the whole four album bill clinton no i I didn't myself but i was very interested in what everyone uh, else's favorites were so let, let me know. Hit me with it. Maybe start with the albums. I, I'm so yeah, interested to, yeah. to hear this of you. Like, I think I un, I think I know a bit about your music taste, but this could be <laughs> this could be bloody anywhere. I know. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the the albums were really hard for me because I was really just trying to picture. Okay, if I could if I could only listen to these three albums for the rest of my life, or if I was deserted on an island and I only had these for entertainment. Um. But the first and foremost that I absolutely knew that I would have uh, is Life of Pablo. Kanye West. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I That's really interesting. Yeah, I love that album when it got released. Uh, it was once again Spotify told me it was my most listened to song uh, album. Sorry, um, and I, I love it because for Kanye, for me, has always been has always been in my music. Um, uh, eight oh eight heartbreaks, uh, graduation, or all, all of them have just been amazing. But Life of Pablo was that kind of. I mean, was it before he kind of started really, you know, being loving Kanye too much? Or it was either just before Kanye was really loving Kanye too much? It's it's interesting. (laughs) To me, it's really interesting that you you choose this album because, as we said on on the pilot episode, we've known each other since 2015. Um, This is the Kanye West album that means the most to me as well. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah, Um, this Life of Pablo was 2016 2016, and I remember it coming out because I was on my six month exchange in, uh, LA. And I remember all the lead up to the Life of Pablo was that sort of, he was changing the album name. He was Mm. doing all sorts of weird media stuff. I think this was definitely the album where he went into more of what his persona is now. Now. At least in the pop in the pop culture sense, yeah, I, I um, agree, dude. That's so interesting. I love the life of Pablo. It's so it's so good because I mean, you've got amazing songs, random skits, um, and just I mean, Ultralight Beam is still one of my favorites. Um, oh, the verses geez. that are in there, um, and the poetry and the the lyrics are just is just absolutely uh, incredible. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, so yep, Life of Pablo, Kanye West, that's, that's nice. number one. Um, now I, oh, ooh, I, I was having a, a really hard time with these next ones, but I think the next album that means a lot to me, and it's actually because it spent a long time in our, in my car, as in not my car, my mum's car. Um, uh, it was an album we listened to all the time, road trips, and I absolutely loved the performers, and they were going to be performing here in Auckland uh, earlier, uh, but that's Black Parade, My Chemical Romance. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Very, yeah. very different. Very, exactly. That that's a car album. I wouldn't have thought of. No, I it mean, was. I, I didn't listen to that much, <laughs> that much My Chemical Romance. Um, I'm happy to but happy to put that out there, mm. but I would not have imagined that as, as a car album. Yeah, no, it, well, I, I, we we had the album, and at the in the in the boot of the car, it had like you can put the discs in there, so it wasn't in the in the, uh, in the front; it was at the back, and you just put the discs in there, and you can rotate through. And it was on the rotations. It was one of the albums that was on the rotations. Um, but yeah, I think that's definitely more of my kind of like angsty. I, I, I was thinking about it. So like if I wanted to listen to something maybe a little bit darker. <laughs> Yeah, or a little bit sadder while I'm on yeah. the island. That that was it. Because um, you got to you got to find different genres, eh? If well, exactly. On, yeah. If you've only got three, you got to yep. be finding three different vibes yep. for those yep. those different times of day. So that's I, exactly. I'm glad that I'm glad that you're thinking about that's, this in the way I, I hoped you would think about. Yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Black Parade. As much as I love this album, uh, and I was talking about it last time on the episode, it did push out uh, Billie Eilish's "When We All Fall Asleep." Where do we go? Because mm-hmm. I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, I love this album. It's one of my favorites. But for me, as I was saying, it took me through some places. So then would I associate those things with being on a deserted island while I listened to this this album? Um, so mm-hmm. I, that's why I didn't select it. But honorable mention to When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Because I absolutely love it. But you'll get my reasoning for it when we get to the concert lineup. Yeah. Um, and my last album, I think you'll appreciate this. I hope you appreciate it because I was I was going for those different moods and and what I felt like my third slot should be. <laughs> it's um it's Future Six Love Sound Justin Timberlake. Oh my god, really? <laughs> From out of left field. From out of left field, take me back. Um, I've yeah, I've always loved Justin Timberlake, and I know you're a big fan of Justin Timberlake as well. Um, but. Future Future Six Love Sound is that like Naughties, Timberland, just 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 vibe, um, and I I, I I I it was funny when you asked me to do this. I actually went back into Future Six Love Sound and I listened I listened to the album again, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> this is my third spot, um, just because it's so it's so. I don't know. It's sexy. It's naughty. It's it's Justin Timberlake in the in the naughties. You know what I mean? Um, so that that's really interesting. That's You've my, chosen two two albums from two thousand and six. Two thousand two thousand and six was a big year for you. Yeah, I, I think to be honest, I think Future Six Love Sound was another car album. <laughs> Look, car listening was a formative time for yeah. many 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 people. So true. But yeah, no, you're so right. Yeah, they those two albums did come out in the same time and then Life of Pablo. I mean, this Oh, there's been so many and it in, took in between. 10 years for you to find any music that you liked. <laughs> 2007 to 2016, you just you were you were just hating anything that was getting yeah, released. That no more. Um so yeah, that's that's my that's my albums. Those are my that's three. That's the trio. Albums. Well, I sh- should I tell you my three really really quickly? Oh, definitely. My three, I mean, I did do the the Bill, the Bill Clinton four album thing. So mm-hmm. I've thought about this a little bit. Um 
probably didn't think about it as as yeah. much as you. Okay. Um, cause I was kind of more interested in, in, in your answer than my own, which is probably rude of me to you, but <laughs> definitely in my three as Malibu by Anderson Pack. Definitely. I think for the last two, three years, Malibu has been my go-to. If I don't know what music I want to listen to, I put Malibu on and I'm pr- normally pretty happy with it as yeah, a, good. as a default choice. Yeah, I agree. Um, Malibu, what I also love about that album is that, the, so- the the songs link into each other yeah. very well. Yeah. And I like the idea that if I was stranded somewhere, just being able to almost have it as an instrumental, even mm. though I know there's there's lyrics and probably all of those songs. Yeah. Yeah. That's I the- like that it yeah. that it flows as as a whole as a whole album. So yeah, that that had to be nice. had to be in my three for sure. Yeah. Um my second choice, I had to have a John Mayer album. Uh, I love John Mayer uh to death and oh that's a bit bit grim i just take out the death i love john mayer <laughs> i love john mayer uh, <laughs> um i think i'd probably choose continuum which i think generally is probably his most considered to be his quote-unquote best album mm-hmm. um it's certainly the album with probably the his most prominent songs on it uh yeah so i'd have to have a john mayer album and I think Continuum would probably be that. Um, and then the third one, I again, I understand what you were saying about the need for like something to maybe be a little bit angry at, mm-hmm. a little bit angsty at. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I didn't go down that that route. Fair enough. I have stuck probably within a karma karma genre and chosen um, Blonde by Frank Ocean. Oh, uh, nice. I'm afraid that Malibu Continuum and Blonde might not like stretch the genres far enough. Yeah. But I think from a pure, these are the albums that I love the most. It's pretty fair representation of my musical tastes. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Also, I think all of those, not all of them, slightly more recent than you, which I think that's a conversation for, for yeah. another, uh, mm. another day. It's really interesting to me that you've gone kind of down nostalgia yeah. as an important, as an important, thing within albums yeah Um, well i think i i think for me when i listen to music i do associate quite often you know what i mean like yeah i i i mean i listen to music just for music's sakes definitely but i think if i'm going to listen to something in that kind of as we were saying before that private environment um Mm. and really get into something i want it to really be able to take me somewhere or take me back to somewhere um and yeah those are those are exactly what those albums do i mean life of pablo is just amazing so it has to be there (laughs) Um, and into the, into the gigs who I, I'm really interested to hear these three, yeah. possibly even more so than the albums. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, so I, I was trying to think of like a lineup, but also just people I wanted to see in concert because, yeah. you know, obviously if you go to a concert, they're kind of crafted together. Like if you were to put these people on, you'd be like, yeah, they'd be sick. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of also went down the route of, I just really want to see these people in concert yeah. um, n- now. Um, so uh, it was really interesting you said if there would be connections and stuff like that. Um, mm. But, I mean, I'll start with my headliner and then uh, kind of how I think it, it should work out. Um, but first off, it would have to be, oh, you know what? Now that I think about it, maybe they wouldn't, all three of them wouldn't go well together. Anyway, I'll just say them. Um, first off would be Billie Eilish. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, I've seen Billie Eilish at Laneway, um, but it was before uh, When We Were Full Asleep, Where Do We Go came out. But I really want to see how, you know, her on stage now and the way she's developed with everything and stuff like that. Um, and just, yeah, just those songs live in an audience with everyone else around me. So Billie Eilish. Mm-hmm. Um, my second one, probably not a lot of people. I mean, some people may know, some people may not. Um, but he is a EDM house DJ, uh, and that's Dylan Francis. Have you ever heard of Dylan Francis? I think I have, but I definitely haven't listened to that much of him. That nah, fair enough. Uh, I, I used to flat uh, with um. A, a DJ, a, a good mate of mine. He's probably listening. Hey, man. Um, and he introduced me to Dylan Francis, and he's an absolute just character. Um, great Snapchat. Uh, if, you've, if you want to go search him, go follow him. He's, he's very funny. But Dylan Francis, EDM, house. I love my house music, even though I didn't select a house um, album. But uh, I think Dylan Francis and what I've heard of him and in a concert setting and what he would yeah. just bring to a live performance would be just absolutely amazing. Um, so Dylan Francis, for all of you that do know him, great. For all of you that don't, go check him out. Um, and yeah, my last one, as you were saying, this connection, uh, is Kanye West. Kanye West. I, 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 I want to see that man in the flesh in front of me on stage. See, that's, that's really interesting to me. And that, and this is kind of why I posed that, the question to you. It's interesting to me that there are both close similarities there and oppositions in that i presume houses houses like in my estimation not really a headphone genre i mean i'm sure there are lots Mm. of people that listen to house but when i think of house i think of it as a filling a room filling a space type uh genre of music and i totally agree with you that house from a live perspective from a gig perspective from spending time with other people who enjoy house music makes a lot more sense to me than yeah if you were going to you know a desert island and you just had to list the house exactly by itself. yeah but but then really interesting to me that kanye is on both of you is on both of your lists yep. and maybe that speaks and in a sense i think billy eilish's as well even though you put her down to number four clearly for you those two artists are both impo- important to you from like a private listening experience yeah, I agree. and from a communal sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably representative of both of them as, as artists, regardless of how you feel about Billie mm. Eilish or, or Kanye, obviously Kanye is a very polarizing figure, particularly outside of um, his music. What's interesting for me is that my three gigs are completely different to uh, my albums. Mm. There isn't any crossover, any crossover between the three. Interesting. And the reason for that for me is I think I there are some artists that I really want to see live that don't like make the cut of my sort of top three, four listen to artists on say Spotify. Mm-hmm. Much in the same way as there are there are people that are in those those uh, top spots on Spotify that I I'm no, I don't not want to see them live but I don't need that live experience from them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my three, my three gig people, artists, bands, whatever. Um, one of them, this is in no particular order. One of them is Mumford and Sons. Oh, I yo. really want to see Mumford and Sons live. I think the way that band works, I think they must, I expect they must be at their best performing live. I've watched mm. YouTube videos of them. 
that kind of experience of that community and that genre of music I really want to experience live but it's probably only like Armford and Sons maybe in my top 10 artists in a similar way the Killers I would love to see the Killers live but I don't need to listen to the Killers all that often yeah and then uh for me this the last spot was kind of kind of up for grabs um I've seen him before in a uh what's the word festival set but I'd love to see a a whole just him um I'd love to see Chance the Rapper live um Kanye was pot- was potentially up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know he's had some weird concerts. Yeah, yeah. Have, <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess I guess the driving point of the whole reason I wanted to ask you this was for me, the artists that are most important to me from a private listening experience are completely different to the ones yeah. that I really really want to see live. Interesting. But I think you touched on something really really important when you were talking about the size of music gigs versus the size of theater gigs. There are lots of artists I would that would shoot to sort of the number one, number two spot for gigs. If you could tell me that I could organize them in small, small spaces. Yeah. Like Frank Ocean, John Mayer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Caesar. These are people that I would love to see in a small atmosphere, but don't kind of in a selfish way, want to share them share with it. a large audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen John Mayer twice. I saw him once at Victor arena. I went by myself to Auckland because, <laughs> yeah. well, I, I, there were a couple of guys from my school that we went with, but I sat by myself because I was like, you know what? I'm buying a second row seat. I don't care. I'm just <laughs> going to enjoy this this artist's music That's by sick. myself. I That's don't cool. need anyone else. And then I saw I saw him at the O2 in London last year. And the O2 seat's like 30,000 plus people. And while I enjoyed the experience, I loved the music. Um, I was still seeing one of my favorite artists live. Mm. There was something about the the sharing that with 30,000 people that I didn't want. Yeah, Whereas yeah, like yeah. someone like Dylan Francis or, you know, people within certain genres that you're not so heavily, heavily, heavily invested in them. Then you do really want to share them yeah. with, with a live audience. Like the killers are someone that I think I would love to be around other people that love the killers music. Mm. So, so yeah, when I was going into this, I was, I was like, well, we're talking big venue, small venue, but to me, it's really interesting that you have certain artists that you are really passionate about from a, like that private listening space also translates to your desire to like see them. See them. And and maybe that's also representative of the fact that you said you haven't been to that many concerts. Obviously you've seen Billie Eilish before. Mm. Maybe once you've seen a Kanye show, you won't feel the need to see See it again. Again, like one and done. Yeah. I saw them live, but don't need that, that experience again. Yeah. 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 Um, That's quite, yeah. uh, It's really, really interesting to to, to hear that that's how your brain operates with music in those two different spheres, like we've, as we've been talking about. Yeah. Well, no, that's that's, just, I find interesting the way that, that exactly that for you, they're all completely, completely different, but yeah, you're so right. Uh, uh, Yeah. I, I, I I thought about that, but after the conversation we've just had, I, I find it more interesting for the selections and choices that I have gone with. Um, mm. Cause yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I was umming and ahhing over so, so many, but that, that's what I came with. But I think, you know, as, as different for what you were thinking, it's like, you know, these are like my top for me. I was like, what, what could I withstand? 
you know, yeah. or or what 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 would really give me the best type of range? And it is if you you put all of my albums together, different range. You put all of my artists together, different range. Um, so yeah. I guess I guess I just want variety in my life. That's all I'm trying to say. Oh look, and you know what the thing is, man. One of these you can have, one of them you can't. <laughs> yeah. The gigs you ain't getting anytime soon, bro. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in the nicest possible way. If in, some, if in some way you thought I was going to be able to organize this sort of private well, guess three what? artist for you. <laughs> guess what? You don't get it. But Spotify, Ooh, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. It you works. can listen to, like, listen to the album. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome, awesome, bro. I, yeah. No, th- thank you. Thank you for taking the time to to uh, to think about it with that amount of energy because... I'm just interested to see how your brain works. Hey. I think that's reflective of the way that lots of people consume music. Like, mm. And that was what was so interesting about, as you said, being interested in seeing what other people listen to in that whole um, Bill Clinton um, meme album. Yeah, thing. true. Sometimes true. people really surprise you, eh? Some yeah. people put, listen to music that you wouldn't expect. And because it is generally such a private experience, unless you go to a concert with someone or you're at some kind of party where people are in charge of the old ox cord. Yeah. You don't actually know what people listen to unless you talk to them about it. Yeah. So true. So true. Yeah. I, yeah. I find it interesting. Um, and Hey, while we're, while we're on the topic of asking each other questions, I've, oh, yes. I've, I've got a topic that I want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in relation to how we were talking about theater and versus screen and things like that. Um, and you know the things that we see my my question to you i have a few different types of genres um but Mm -hmm. i'm really interested on your take from taking things uh adaptations taking one thing into another and putting it either into tv or film um so yeah i mean i've i've got some that i think that are, are my top in each category um but first off i want would like to ask you uh your thought on your favorite theater adaptate adaptation now it can either be Ooh. into tv or film whatever way you want to take it but what's your favorite theater adaptation by that do you mean uh by that do you mean like it was the the thing was created for theater first yeah into, exactly into yep into it was film? it was created for theater but it's been changed into film, screen, TV. Dude, I don't, I don't know. Um, that's not a genre that I, I was working, that I had, I had thought of. Can you give me, could you give me the other genres and I'm my brain? And you might come on, back. On, yeah, no, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, let me, let no, me bum that, let me bum that to the back, to the back of the queue. <laughs> uh, okay, second one, musical. I think for me, the most important musical adaption is a Lion King yeah. from, from the, from the Disney story to the stage musical. I think what the Lion King did, I've seen it twice, both before I was like 10, I think. So I haven't actually seen it in a long time. I think what that did for taking a, a screen experience and turning it onto the stage has, has kind of never been paralleled. I think that was such an important, um, transformation to show what musical theater could could do and i think musical theater can be quite uh contentious like some people really really don't like musical theater Mm. but i think if you were to take your random selected person in this world and put them in front of lion king on stage most people who love the lion king 
as a story would probably really love that i think what they did just how to the whole question of like how do you put animals on stage in a genre of art that is pure live humans uh yeah to me to me i've got to say i've got to say the lion king um have you got one uh yeah well i so i think uh, i i thought about it the other way around so like what's a musical that is my favorite into a film uh um, adaptation yeah no but i actually I've watched it no no but, absolutely no no, no no but i actually i i absolutely love that and it's funny now that i think back on this questioning i'm like hmm i wonder what the questioning would have been done the other way around but that i i love that my my favorite musical as in from uh stage onto well i mean actually i think it was a book first and then it was onto the stage and then into a film is the sound of music Oh, interesting. Sound of Music. I absolutely love that film. And uh, as a musical, yeah. um, uh, for some reason, it's it's one of those ones that if I'm just feeling something, I can literally watch it any time. I can pop yeah. it on and it'll do something for me. Um, so, no. Dude, an absolute, an absolute classic. Yeah, that, that's, that's where I went. Um, okay, next one. Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So what's your favorite okay, so- Shakespeare into TV or film adaptation? Um, I think, I mean, I think it's probably not that interesting an answer, but I think the hollow crown for me, the BBC's, the way that they took mm. um, Shakespeare and put it on TV. But this is something that I, that I, I actually wrote down. Um, the fact that Shakespeare is like, is always an adaptation. Yeah. Even if you put it so on stage, it's always about, because it's so, old and it's been done so many times mm. Mm. the inherent thing about shakespeare generally is like what are they doing with the production that's different what's the new way that they're yeah. framing it yeah and because i think so often when you go and see shakespeare it is all about like how they've framed it what mm-hmm. i really liked about the hollow crown was that they did it sort of in i don't know how to word it like original form or or in period and I just enjoyed watching that on this, like the screen medium in a very modern way. Like when was that released? Early 2013, 14. That's an absolute guess. Someone's going to pull me up on that. But yeah, hollow crown for me for sure. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah. Mine was, mine was 10 things I hate about you. See, I, I did think about that. I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From the whole, like taking Shakespeare and turning it into something. And turning it into something That's else. Definitely. Yeah. That's definitely number one. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the way, that's the way, because my, we'll get back to it, but my theatre one is is also Shakespeare. So I thought I was cheating a little bit, but I thought about it as Shakespeare adaptation into into its really own thing is, yeah, 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. Um, all right, next one, uh, book. So book into film? Book into film. Um, so this is something I, I, I thought about a lot more and took a lot of notes on. I think book into film is kind of the number one most common yeah. thing. Like when you look at yeah. adaptation so and, and some of them have been, some of them have been great. Like Lord of the Rings, obviously massive success. Yep, that's a, yep. Uh, Harry Potter, yep. massive success mm-hmm, on the whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Hunger Games was, was relative success, pretty sure. good. Um, and obviously you have book series that just absolutely flopped. A lot of the time it's young adult stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Aragon, Percy Jackson, two of the absolute worst adaptations <laughs> from quality young adult book series yeah, to true. film. Was, they all, uh, was the Divergent series as well? Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know why it is. It's so hard to take young adult stuff and put it on, mm. on screen. Mm. I think for me, and this is maybe not like my number one, number one, because maybe my easy answer is simply Lord of the Rings, but one that I think has done a really, was done really, really well. And I think is, is worth bringing up as kind of a reflection of what we're talking about is, uh, Gone Girl. Oh, ooh. Have you seen I Gone have, Girl and have you read Gone Girl? I haven't read Gone Girl, but I've seen Definitely Gone recommend Girl. reading Gone Girl because that's one of the, the adaptations where I don't know what I prefer more. Mm. I prefer the Lord of the Rings films. I prefer the Harry Potter books. I prefer the Hunger Games books. Generally, I know. I think the book... Jillian Jacobs? No, Jillian Jacobs. No, Jillian Jacobs is in Community. <laughs> Who wrote Gone Girl? Uh, um, oh... Fruitcake. Come on, Google. Gone Girl. Absolute dead air time here. Um, <laughs> Gillian Flynn. Gillian Flynn. Flynn. Um, what's really interesting about the book is it's written from... A lot of it's written from first person. Or maybe all of it's written from first person. But what makes that so different is the whole book reading experience where you go from not knowing characters at all and you learn about them like page to page yeah. and later on in the book I, if i remember correctly it flips perspectives between the two main characters you can't get that so much in film yeah so yeah. with the film adaptation they had to find a way to take the storytelling and put it on screen mm. in a way that effectively told what is essentially a thriller story in a way that was equally gripping and i think the film figured out a way to do that really well i mean Obviously, narration was really key mm, in that. But mm. yeah, if at any point you get a chance to re- read Gone Girl, I highly recommend it. Hey, because I'll put it on the, the book experience is different. Yep. But equally gripping to the movie. Yeah, um, nice, nice. What, what, have you got one? Yeah, I do. So, I mean, so I need to say some honorable mentions. And because, I mean, uh, Harry Potter, definitely. Um, cause these are the ones, these are the ones that I, okay, I haven't, don't, don't hurt me out there. I haven't read the full series, but Harry Potter for sure. Uh, Lord of the Rings definitely, uh, is in there. Um, but this one may be a little bit far fetched because obviously I haven't read the original and it's not quite an adaptation of the original as more of a sequel. Um, mm. but, uh, it's Hook. Oh, because so peter pan obviously uh a a, a book you know novel written very way back and then it was adapted by disney into um into an animation um and then you had a lot of more film adaptations of uh updates um of peter pan um but hook would have to be one of my one of my all-time favorites if you if you want to spin it that way i know a lot of people out there will probably be like well you can't put that in a book category um but technically it's a sequel i mean to the book to the novel that's the thing about about adaptation is there's so many different there's a lot of things you could put you could put into this like whole wider category that we're talking about i mean let's not forget that the pirates of the caribbean ride was a disney ride before it was before it was a yeah so true (laughs) like that's an that's an adaptation like say wicked the musical that came from a book like you have book to musical you have musical to film film to tv like yeah 
adaptations are, it's a wide field so yeah. so hook yeah. gets a big old big old pass mark for me okay, i think good. i've seen hook i think i think i did really really enjoy it but yeah. i mean obviously it's been a long time yeah yeah no it's it's yeah it's it's one of my faves um all right last one because since we're on the mm-hmm. topic of uh disney is is disney is there have you got a favorite uh, either live action so something obviously it was animated into live action or or, or an adaptation of of a disney um, so I did, I did make a comment to myself, uh, that th- in terms of the live actions, none of them have absolutely like connected with me. I agree. I, uh, to be honest, Lion I King, had a hard time as well. I agree. I saw the Lion King didn't do much for me. No. I thought they, they butchered some of the key, the key moments. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get me wrong, the, the live-action animation. Oh, it was amazing. Incredible. Lion King didn't really do it for me. Uh, I haven't seen Aladdin. Neither. I haven't seen Dumbo. Neither. Both based on them kind of getting okay reviews. The Jungle <laughs> yeah. Book live-action I quite liked. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm getting at is the live-action stuff kind of hasn't really it hasn't really done it for me. Yeah. Um, from Disney into animation, can I, can I cheat and can I go the reverse the reverse the way. reverse so okay. something into disney yes i really really love the disney uh robin hood ah yo <laughs> so i mean i know that's not that's not the question you're asking no, but but I, this is the I, one that's that stuck in my head mm-hmm. a kind of historical thing that disney managed to turn into um really a quite a good animated <laughs> animated film yeah um yeah, I love the Disney version of of Robin Hood. Oh, Watched nice. it like about a month ago, and man, it holds up. <laughs> it really, really is like it's one of those movies that you go back and you watch. And you're like, oh, there's a lot of jokes in here that go way over way the head over of the anyone head. under the age yeah. of like fifteen. Yeah. Um, what were you thinking in terms of of Disney? The way that you had thought about it? Yeah. So, um, b- mine's much of a, a stretch again, but it, I mean, it makes sense in my head. But I got to say, an uh, honourable mention to George of the Jungle. Um, oh, <laughs> have you have you seen that? I don't know Bre- if I have. Brendan Fraser. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm but, forming pictures of yeah, it now. Yeah, very very long time ago. But for me as a kid, George of the Jungle, honorable mention. It's not great, but it's an honorable mention. Um, yeah. So mine's kind of a, a through the loop de loop again. Um, uh, yeah, the live actions. I mean, like I really enjoyed Lady and the Tramp. Actually, the Lady and the Tramp live action. Um, I thought, oh yeah, yeah. I thought it was really good. Um, you know, obviously being in the actual setting of Paris and the way that they did things and um, the yeah, the animation was just great. It's funny though. You say live action, but it's still animated, isn't it? Um, yes. There's a lot of yeah. There's uh, it's there's, a gray area. Yeah, there's a gray area. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah so this is this is my stretch again but um mowgli uh oh. andy 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 circus is uh mowgli so Dude, i remember that coming out yeah and, and being because didn't mowgli come out really close to the yeah it didn't, it didn't come out book? too far yeah so mowgli isn't a disney film uh it's yeah. warner brothers um and it's it it once again it's based off a book it's based off the Mowgli series which was written um I think either before or after Jungle Book which then was picked up by Disney and then it was made into the Jungle Book um and then Andy Serkis um had done Mowgli so technically not a Disney film but as an adaptation from if you when you think Jungle Book you think you know you think Jungle Book you think Disney yeah um but Mowgli was 
brilliant because it wasn't a musical. Um, it wasn't that. It was all about um, Mowgli as a character and his connections to all of the animals in the jungle um, and the villages and that, that whole kind of story and run through of all of that. Um, and ap- absolutely great acting, absolutely great voice acting. And it's dark. It, it was a lot darker um, than The Jungle Brook. I mean, Baloo had like scratches and, you know, it was Andy Serkis. He had a little bit of an accent to him. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, but in saying that, I haven't seen the live action Jungle Book. Um, but Mowgli. Oh, we we'll have to do a culture swap. Oh, I'll watch Mowgli and you can watch yeah, Lion. I agree. Lion. I agree. Um, Lion, Jungle Book. Man, <laughs> so much Disney. It's hard to keep track. Of. I know. I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we crossed, we, we crossed a few bridges and paths in there, but I was just very curious, much like the music, I was just very curious of your kind of, uh, some of your film, uh, tastes as well. Um, yeah. And I think the, one of the, one of the adaptations that's getting a lot of praise at the moment, I brought it up last week is normal, normal people. Normal people. Um, that's getting a lot of praise because of how true it is to the book mm. and how like tastefully it's it's been adapted and i think adaptations are they're really difficult because all the pressure is on to live up to the expectations of a fan base unless you're adapting something which no one knows about which i guess must happen and i mean it's a good start yeah yeah but generally adaptations tend to be taking content that people already love and you trying to reframe it which do something High risk, high reward, I high, suppose. High it's risk. Great. Yeah. People, you've already got, you got people that already love it. But if you, if you stuff it up, I mean, we need not talk about the Spider-Man musical and, <laughs> and all sorts of, don't get me started on Aragon. I'm trying yeah, to hold yeah. it all in. So true. Um, yeah, I guess adaption is, and we got to, what's the word? Drop the mic. How is adaption and adaptation how are they both acceptable words? I've never understood this. We're going completely off the end in terms of grammar and spelling and, and an area of the podcast, which I don't think we ever thought we would go. <laughs> but adaption and adaptation are both acceptable spellings of the same thing. How did we as an English language allow this to happen? Uh, uh, not, I, I don't know. I, I bet, I mean, you could say that most about the English language is you say, where did we go wrong and how did this happen? Dude, we just have no rules, eh? No. <laughs> No, well, but, speak speak to any person with English as as this not their primary language, and they'll tell you got <laughs> no rules. But it's because it's just a mash of all of these other languages, you know. Uh, every yeah. every every English word came from somewhere else, and we just decided to just start mashing them all together. So that's where we got to. And I guess, in some kind of really poorly done uh, wrap up, adaptation, adaptation, they. Uh, they're much in the same thing, mm. but but some people like adaptation, some people like adaptation, yeah. some people like the book, some people like the film. Exactly. I mean, look, bro. At some point in your life, you got to read the Harry Potters because until you're like uh, three hundred yeah. pages deep and reading the, yeah. the good stuff that never makes the film. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm one of those I'm one of those nerds that will just ride and die on reading Goblet of Fire for the nineteenth yeah, time yeah, and yeah, finding yeah. a new sentence. No, it's so true. No, I know. I need to get my book game up, and I I, I definitely know that. Um, but you know, I just love things in front of me so much. Dude, you love a screen. I love a screen. I love a stage. Dude, d- d- 
<laughs> don't 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 get me wrong. How good is the old uh, how good is the old television invention? Oh, laptop. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. I mean, it got us through level four, got us through level three. Now we're here in level two. I must say, I'm still dabbling in both. So <laughs> we'll see. Right. We'll see how everyone starts to get out into the world and start enjoying all of these things again. Really. Hey, let's leave it there, man. We've yeah, waffled man. on for far too long. Oh, but you know what? If these people listening, you know, if you're still here uh, at, at the end of this, this just over an hour now, uh, thank you. Maybe you might need to break this up into a few different car rides. Um, but no, thank you for being here. Uh, and thank you once again, James. Um, I know we've got the ball rolling with this. And hey, we'll just, let's just keep on going. Thank you, bro. Pleasure to talk to you as ever. And uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who's been listening. Uh, we appreciate the sport from around the world. Go off into your, your morning or your afternoon, your evening, whenever you're listening to this. And uh, have a great day. Peace.